What are the chances the Avs run it back? With Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr locked up long-term, odds are pretty good. We discuss that and more on today's crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Avalanche. You're Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, everybody. Uh, a crossover that I think a lot of people look forward to. That is uh, Locked On Avalanche and Locked On Wild Road. Knocking out a bunch of them. I think you've been doing the same thing, Seth, right? Getting a lot of crossovers within, the, within a division, even branching out. I think we're going to do one uh, with the Vegas uh, host. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hate Vegas so much. <laughs> and, and I just, I have to do a crossover with them just to, to just, you know, show them how much I dislike them. But they're really cool guys over there. At, uh, yeah. Locked on Vegas. So, uh, absolutely. But for now, you're getting Locked On Avalanche and Locked On Wild. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As always, that's appreciated. You can follow us on Locked On Avalanche at LOP and underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Locked On Avalanche on Instagram. Questions, comments, concerns, opinions, Locked On Avalanche at gmail.com. And follow us on our YouTube channel over on the YouTube. Hit subscribe, get notified when a new show goes live. Seth, where can they find you over on the socials? All of the socials conveniently are Locked On Wild. So Twitter, Instagram, easy peasy. Just find them all, subscribe and follow. Uh, We'll keep you up to date as much as we possibly can. All right, sir, let's jump in. Uh, You know, rivals on the ice. Uh, We are friends off of the ice, so there's not going to be any haymakers thrown in this episode. But uh, you always look forward to when these two teams play, no matter where they are in the standings. We anticipate both of these teams to be, you know, playoff teams, obviously. I I would think that's the case for the Wild. Are they they going into this season thinking like, hey, you know, last year was good? Uh, We can continue that. Yes, I, I think that is the hope, is that uh, the Wilds can get to the playoffs this year. Now, obviously, some notable subtractions from the roster in the offseason. You lose Kevin Fiala, Cam Talbot as well, and I'm not going to try to sell it as, hey, the goaltending situation is better with Marc-Andre Fleury and Philip Gustafson than it would have been with Marc-Andre Fleury and Cam Talbot. It just isn't. Now, that's not to say that Philip Gustafson can't be good. We just really don't know what he is. And so it's a it's a lot of different moving parts that have to go right in order for the Wild to be able to get to the postseason this year. First and foremost is the goaltending. But even with all the question marks that that poses and the question marks about what do you do to offset the lack of offense, trading Kevin Fiala away. This team still has Kirill Kaprizov, who now in his third year in the NHL is going to attempt to outdo what he did last year, which was a franchise record in everything. So it is, I I don't know how it's possible, but he is going to find a way to continue to build off of what he has done so far. And so a team that has him as their focal point is always going to have a chance but this season could go two very different ways depending on how key areas go as it plays out. Okay, Seth, this is a question I have as a 
just, you know, I have no vested interest in the wild. I'm a hockey fan. And when it comes to the Minnesota wild, like you were talking hopeful appearance in the playoffs. What is Minnesota trying to do? You, you talked about the goalie position and with, we could talk the central and how everything looks like how Colorado's built and you see what Anaheim's doing and you see all these other teams improving and Minnesota just kind of is there. There, there, there is no um, rhyme or reason to what they're doing and they're not making the big moves. What is Minnesota trying to do and trying to build? Is it hoping to make the playoffs? Well, in that case, no, because um, the hope is for this team to be at its most competitive after the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter buyouts are out the window, or at least are down to, I think, 800000 a piece. So last year, what the buyouts accomplished was they gave the Wild some cap space to really go after it last season. It didn't end up working out, but it led to their best chance in the short term to contend being last year. Slight step down in terms of their ability to contend this year. And then the next two years after that, it is, in my estimation, going to be all about trying to cultivate the youth and seeing who is able to perform at the NHL level and who isn't. So that you come out of this window with the buyouts down to their minimum knowing, hey, we've got A, B, C, D, E as guys who can really contend and be part of this roster and are on cheaper contracts. So you have a list of, hey, we need this, we need this, let's go get them. And so we're going to see over the next few years as players' contracts come due, uh, Matt Dumba, for instance, will be a free agent after this season is done. It's going to be one of two things. He's either going to re-sign here for a lesser term or the Wild will fill his roster spot with a prospect. And that's just going to continue to happen here over the next few seasons. The more vacancies come up, the more vacancies will be filled by prospects. And so the real window to contend in the short term was last year. I, I view it as a team that could make the playoffs. I don't think there is a legitimate chance that this team is a cup contender this year. And so it's, it's trying to run it back this year, but beyond that, you know, it'll be, it'll be looking at the prospects uh, for the next couple of years after that. And then the window is hopefully back open. Would, would, would Dumba take less? I mean, that's like, you know, he's going to be what? 29. Yeah. After the season's over. Uh, and this will be his, his UFA, his big UFA contract. Do you really think that he, would, would take less, and that would be to stay. I mean, I got to imagine there's somebody out there. He's making six, right? Right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this is the first I'm really thinking of it, but you got your finger on the pulse. What, what's, what, do you, what are you thinking with him? I do not get the sense that he would, and so you're going to run into a situation where there will be other teams out there, like you alluded to, that will be able to offer him either that same value yeah. or – there will be some other teams that will probably want him a little more than that. And so for him to stay, he's going to have to be willing to take a little bit of a hometown discount. And I just, I don't see it being in the plans, which 
is where another wave of those prospects come further into the picture. Maybe a guy like Carson Lambos or, or one of those other prospects that the Wild had a couple of years ago already, or you fill with somebody from Iowa. But I, I think that'll be one of the first spots where this team promotes from within to kind of start that next phase over these next couple of years. You mentioned the buyouts. Um, you know, that was that was obviously big news when it happened um, with Prezay and Suter. Like, is that going according to plan? Or is, is it becoming a, an issue in any sense of, of the cap? Because when it happened, they were like, this is, you know, this is not something that we just dreamt up, woke up in the morning and said we're going to do it. It was planned. Is it going according to plan? I think so. It's not a situation anybody really plans for, and this all stems back to us having Chuck Fletcher to thank for deciding that a 13-year deal for both of those guys was the route to go. But yeah, it's like you're going on vacation and you get a flat tire on the way. Now, obviously, you can try to kind of limp along with what you have. The best thing to do in that situation, though, is to just fix it and just kind of go with the assumption that, yeah, some of my trip money is, uh, is now going towards fixing that tire. So you're just, you're going to still have a good time. It's just not going to be as good of a time as it was, Okay. but at least you got there intact as opposed to trying to, to get to wherever you're going on three wheels. That's a wonderful analogy. Wonderful analogy. (laughs) For the Minnesota fan base, is that going to be good enough going into this season, seeing everybody improving around you? Um, and seeing kind of everybody take their role in their stance is just good enough, good enough for Minnesota fans. I think people by and large are confident in the direction that Bill Guerin is taking this team. Um, obviously, that is not for everybody because you want to be a franchise where your goal every single season is to contend for a Stanley Cup. And that's a hard sell for fans. Why, why should we tune in? if this team is not going to be in that position. And, you know, I, I flip back to one of the reasons that everyone should watch this team every single night is for Kirill Kaprizov. But, mm. you know, to further that, we've got Matt Boldy in year two. So that will be a huge reason to watch this team and to see his development as potentially that second scoring option that Kevin Fiala was this past year. You've got Marco Rossi's rookie season. And so for those fans who enjoy that, enjoy seeing those younger prospects develop at the NHL level, there are plenty of reasons to watch. But yes, I I do agree is you want your team to be trending towards deep playoff runs. And I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I still consider last season a failure because of the first round exit. Great breaking all those records, franchise record in points, franchise record in goals. Awesome. You lost in the first round, and uh, for a team that was expected to go pretty deep, you did not. So ultimately, I have trust in Bill Guerin to be able to get this team to where they need to go because of some of the -the out-of-the-box thinking that he's done. With Chuck Fletcher, it was like, hey, we're a 7 or an 8 seed. And that's just the way it is. Like, this is always going to be a team with the exception of one or two seasons in which they got higher than that. They're always going to be that team that gets into the playoffs, but no further. And Bill Guerin wants to exceed those expectations. And so you got to pull back a little bit 
to be able to then go forward eventually. Uh, what what could Boldy command after this season? He's a you know restricted, and is this uh, he's only going to be <laughs> <laughs> what's that? I'm jotting down <laughs> notes. Are you? Uh, yeah, I mean, because we got some guys in that similar situation. You know, is it mm-hmm. is it a, is it a bridge deal? Is it is it max as max, max as you can get for him? Um, are, are they of the mind of he's a great young player? We lock him up for as long as we can. Um, you know, and, and if it goes into a max deal and it goes into unrestricted territory, we'll deal with that when we have to deal with it. Like, what, what what's it looking like for him after this year? My heart says, give him, throw the book at him. Keep him here as long as you possibly can. Yeah, some people have that mindset, yeah. My head says, if we can bridge it to the final year of Kirill Kaprizov's deal and then pay them both once all the buyouts are done, I think that is exactly what Bill Guerin's going to try to do. Because we just saw, and we'll talk about this uh, in a little bit, I'm sure, we just saw the Nathan McKinnon extension. And yeah. you know Kirill Kaprizov is looking at that and is saying, okay, okay, you want me to stick around? We're going to hit double digits. So Easy. I, and I think he definitely can command that. I, so I think, I think Bill Guerin wants the bridge just to get it to both of those guys being past these buyouts to where then you don't have to worry about paying one or the other. We already did that. Let's get it to the end of the buyouts so you can pay both and not have to worry about it. Okay. All right. And uh, we, we cannot do an Avalanche Wild crossover if us Avalanche fans don't ask you about Tyson Jost. How is he doing? Uh, does he does he remember us? Does he talk about us often? <laughs> he uh, he sends his warmest regards. Um, no, it's I'm I'm excited to see what Tyson Jost can do this season because he is going into the uh, the last year of his deal. He is a restricted free agent after this season. Does he fit into the long-term plans? Does he not? We really don't know. And <laughs> there is no, there's no more opportunity. We know the feeling. We know the feeling. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here. This is a season for him to determine it. And it's going to be, my thought is, with Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi on that line, see what he can do. Based off of the training camp rosters, it looks like it may be that he starts the year with Marcus Foligno and Jewel Erickson Eck, with Jordan Greenway injured. So I kind of want to see if he can go the offensive route. Seems like the team maybe wants to see him more of the defensive route. They'll meet somewhere in the middle, but... I, I don't know. I, I want to see what Jost has to offer, but I don't have to tell you guys about that at all because you have th- – that's the reason he got traded was waiting to see what uh, what he would turn into, and yeah. the role just never expanded. Yeah. What's what's the fans' temperature on Jost? Because it, he was kind of polarizing in his stint here. Um, what is – what are the fans – It's weird. Think? Like, I mean, he was polarizing, but everybody loved him. Everybody loved exactly. his Exactly. There was not a bad word No, it was just frustrating to, to see him. He would have a, a great game, and you're like, maybe that's just what he needed, and he can continue off that, and it just never happened. He would follow it up with, like, four or five, like, duds. I, I think the perfect way to describe this is I feel like he is exactly what the Wild traded – to get him, Nico Sturm. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. a guy who here we always were wanting more. I was banging the table to see more of Nico Sturm. Put him on the top line. Put him on the second line. Put him anywhere else other than that fourth line. And it just it just never happened. Very likable yeah. guy, and I, I get the sense that that people really like Jost here. We just we gotta see we gotta, gotta see, see that production yeah. happen. Yep, yep. Uh, and, and quickly, you mentioned Marco Rossi. Like he he didn't play because of injury, right? Didn't he get injured? So two year? two years ago, he uh, he had COVID, and it shut him down completely. Okay. And there were some serious concerns about that. And now his first year back was this past year in Iowa, and he played most of the season, but kind of got worn down at the end. Um, ended up actually setting the Iowa Wilds record for points in a season. Wow. Uh, so had a good year. It's just this was his first year back on the ice post COVID, and okay. I forget what the I forget what the notable side effect the myo myocarditis I think is what he actually ended up getting. It was a heart thing with COVID, and so trying to work him back in. But by all accounts, he played great. In Iowa this past season, and looks to further that in Minnesota this year. Yeah, he's he, he was one I liked. Uh, that was a good pick for them. So, yeah, someone to to keep an eye on. Um, all right, let's hear from Bet Online, and then we'll uh, kind of flip the script and uh, see what Minnesota's thinking of us Avalanche people. Uh, BetOnline.net, your number one source for football betting info for this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchup news, podcasts, and in-depth articles. And analysis on every game that you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the betonline.net website or use your mobile device to learn more. That's betonline.net. It's where the game starts. All right, Mr. Topol. Uh, yeah, I mean, fire away. I'm sure uh, Minnesota fans are, are none too pleased with uh, the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> Finally, like, like you know, you read a lot of comments and stuff on uh, social media, and uh, they were hanging on to that. Can't get out of the second round. And, and you know, they finally did and, and won it all. So I, I'm sure there's some, you know, none too pleased wild fans out there for that the Avalanche finally uh got to the peak of the mountain, but I think there's also some respect there too on, on the fan side. There is. And yeah. you know, that's, that's the route I take is you want to see, you want to see the best win it. And this avalanche team, it's, it's hard to argue with the way from my perspective that they have been put together. You know, you, you cultivate, you do have some, some lean years that lead to high picks, but you hit on those high picks, you develop those players and you build around them. And so it's a formula that has been proven to win, and now the Avalanche get a chance to uh, to see it really pay off. So I'll tie that into my first question because you guys had a chance to enjoy this all off season, and so I got to know, what was the most out-there cup celebration you saw from a member of the, uh, the Avalanche? Oh, I think my favorite one was uh, the Jack Johnson one. Uh, yeah, he took, it, took it to a, an ice cream shop, uh, loaded that thing up with like 30 scoops of ice cream. And and it was him and like, I think like four or five kids. 
know what I mean? Like there's no adults there. Right. Brought, brought, brought like the neighborhood kids with him and his own kids. And, and they just went to town. Like, I'm like that. I think we talked about when it happened. Like you, you always see people like drinking champagne out of it and drinking beer out of it. That would have been me in my twenties, me in my forties. I'm eating ice cream out of it now. <laughs> like that shows my age. I'd rather have like the ice cream out of the cup now. Yeah. I think Kale McCarr, um, I was just rewatching this. I think it was last night. He was, took it home with his family because Kale McCarr is a baby angel and you cannot say anything wrong about Kale McCarr, mm. but he like was there with his family and they woke up and it looked like a Saturday morning and they're eating like cereal and waffles out of it <laughs> in their yeah. living room. And I'm just like, yeah, that's yeah. what I do right yeah, there. That. And then even the, <clears throat> a lot of them were, you know, just brought it to the hometown and stuff like that. Nathan McKinnon did that, but it was an event. Like that was like a Macy's Thanksgiving day parade uh, just for him and the Stanley Cup, so he he lived it up, and and he he brought it back to like it seemed like he was on like a dock, and mm-hmm. there was a lake behind him, and he still has the 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 goal that he shot into when he was like seven eight years old. Wow! So I mean, it's just all natted up, and you know, the, it's got a sheet on it that just has holes all over the place. So it's just really cool to see the Stanley Cup on a dock with water behind him next to that goal that he shot in as, as a kid. That was pretty cool too. Yeah, it it was fun. It's always fun to just watch and see what the different players do on their day with the cup. That's love it. I think that's one of my favorite things of each and every off season. So glad, glad to hear that it, uh, that it definitely made the rounds. I'm going, absolutely. I'm going to switch to, um, little free agency because, I, I really want to know. It seemed like, from my perspective, you know, the longer the Nazim Kadri free agency drew out, I kept thinking in the back of my head, is there a chance that he is just going to go back to Colorado if the, the grass isn't greener on the other side? Was it that close, or did it seem always destined for him to go elsewhere? It depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> if it was Monday, you thought he was going to the Islanders. If it was Tuesday, he's coming back home. If it's yeah. Wednesday, he's going to Boston. Thursday, he's coming back home. Friday, the Islanders. Calgary's now <laughs> popping up. And then over the weekend, oh, if nothing's done over the weekend, he's coming back. It's yeah. rinse, wash, repeat. You didn't know where he was going. My emotions, my goodness, man. It was it was rough. Like I was a big I was a big Nas guy, and yeah. to have that wake up every day and you hear somebody say, "Hey, I talked to so and so, and he's coming here," and then you were you had that going all the time, and you could you would see other players celebrating with a cup, but you didn't know if Nas was coming back, and it was just a whole range of emotions, and it was sad to see him go, but you had that little touch of relief because you knew. Yeah, I mean, like Kyle's saying, like it, it just the longer it went on, um, you could make arguments for why that's good for the Avalanche or why that's bad for the Avalanche, and and you genuinely, it was a toss up, um, and then the ads would go out and and kind of like sign a guy at, to a, to a very small contract to maybe yeah. like a, a million dollar contract, <laughs> but you're like. They need every penny to sign. Right. So that's not good that they just signed this guy that is, you know, going to be on the fourth line or maybe not even on the, t- you know, they, they were just like pinching pennies and you just, 
as it, personally, uh, as it went on, I maybe I was just maybe in my own head, just thinking that he was gonna come back. Um, I think part of it was he wanted a big number, and I think he was trying to get that as much as he could, and he was holding out, holding out, holding out. I think the Islanders. I don't know this for a fact, but I think the Islanders were trying to give him that big number and they just could not make anything like they couldn't move anybody around to, to make that work. And he, you know, he would have went there with Lamorello as, as the GM, you know, he would have went there and done that. Uh, and then when that didn't happen, um, the one thing that I, I did hear is, is he was always going to keep the avalanche updated on what's happening and kind of, you get the impression that he was going to give them like, okay, this is, this is the deal that I'm going to take. And in the end, obviously, it was Calgary. This is the deal. Do you want to match it? Uh, and I think the Avalanche said, this is this is the most that we can do. It wasn't $7 million, and And he walked. So it's, you know, it's, it's the ups and downs of being a fan of any team. You're going to lose guys that you don't want to lose, you know? And you, you kind of feel like, especially with the news of Nathan McKinnon's contract, you feel like they were also sitting on that news. And when it sure. came to... Um, that number compared to what Nas wanted, everybody was working together and they gave Nas every chance he wanted. I feel like Colorado was the home base and he was shopping numbers and he would come back and say, could you do this? And they'd be like, possibly, but see what you could find, get your term. Nas landed where he was well-treated and well-deserved. No hard feelings between the two teams. It's one of those that they come back and, hey, we're going to be paying Nate, eight and 12.6 like mm. you got to work with us here we got to put the other half of the team together so i feel like yeah. it was a relationship between both and now seeing the nathan mckinnon contract it all makes a lot more sense yeah, yeah. and then quickly kyle mentioned term uh and to get seven for Kadri, I, I think that was also the breaking point for the abs i don't think they were going to go anywhere near that i think they were around like the four five at the absolute most i don't think they were going to go that high yeah, that, that makes sense. So you mentioned the uh, the McKinnon contract. It, it feels like he deserves way, way more, um, in my estimation, just for everything that he does on the ice. But now you got McKinnon, you got Kale McCarr. And for all the people who are like, there's no possible way that the Avalanche can continue to do this, I'm here to tell you they can. How, um, how nice is it to have those guys locked up long term? Oh man, like things are, 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 yeah, this window for the abs is, is wide open, wide open. And, and it's going to be for a handful of years. I mean, you know, not, not only do you have uh, McKinnon, obviously, you know, Rantanen's locked up for another three years and that's, that's on the low end for all these guys that are locked up. You know, Landeskog is, is locked up. You have uh, Artari Lekkanen who's locked up. You have Valnachuskin locked up. You mentioned Kale McCarr. Sam Gerrard is, uh, you, you are going to have to, you know, sign your prospects in new hook and Byram and even, uh, Taves is up in two years. So yeah, there is some moves that you're going to have to sign, but there is a handful of guys that are in your top six guys that are going nowhere for a number of years. So, and with the cap going up after the following year, this is, this is, this is good. I mean, if, yeah, we're all we're all sitting at this contract for Nathan McKinnon, thinking you know that's a good number for him, and it is. But it's kind of unfortunate for him that he didn't, you know, he. I mean, he couldn't have signed a longer longer contract at the time, but it didn't, you know, uh, 
his current contract didn't extend out to when the contract goes up or the cap goes up because he would have been in the in the 13 14 range easy yeah so yeah i mean this is a, a big chunk of money for him um and i think a lot of people are thinking looking at we talked kyle and i talked about the other day about a lot of people looking at edmonton and thinking like well edmonton can't do anything about it this is not edmonton like they, they have done a very good job navigating this and just look at the guys that they have locked up for several years it's all their key players yeah the way the contracts are lined up and who's locked up for as long as they are you have the feeling like colorado is set for one of those pittsburgh chicago type runs where like the casual hockey fan is it's we've we're about to go from that great story of people you cheer for to oh my god i don't want to watch another cup final with the abs still in here like (laughs) yeah you have that feeling yeah like that's how you felt about chicago and pittsburgh especially like they were just so annoying because they're always there that's how this team is set up and for avalanche fans it's great it's wonderful you're returning to the glory days but that's how this feels with who's locked up for the length they're locked up and all the improvements we could still make with the eagles and loveland we could call up and fix the abs are sitting pretty for a while and that's that's how the good teams do it is some of those players play themselves into being able to take a a lucrative deal from somebody else in free agency you just fill mm-hmm. from with fill from within Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, well said, fellas. That's that's all I got for questions. All right. Well, then there's one thing, other thing that we want to get to, and uh, over on uh, locked on just the, the the our network's Twitter page. Uh, all of us hosts over on the locked on NHL side, we always take part in uh, power ranking and voting on things. And uh, for this week, it was the uh, power ranking the NHL coaches. So. Um, they just posted them a couple hours ago and all, all we have is the top 10. I don't know if they're going to put out graphics for the rest of them. I hope that they do. Cause I want to see where everybody falls, but we just have the top 10. Um, and I'll go through them. Uh, at 10 is Peter Laviolette. Nine is Bruce Boudreaux. Pause. Okay. I, I think <laughs> That's, we all like Bruce. I, but I don't mind yeah. that. I don't you mind, don't mind it. Oh, we'll talk about it. Uh, eight. Bruce Cassidy, another long pause. Uh, seven, Craig Berube. Six, Gerard Gallant. Five, Mike Sullivan. Uh, four is Rod Brindamore. Three is Jared Bednar. Uh, two is Daryl Suter. And at number one is John Cooper. Do we have issues with this, boys? Slightly. Uh, slightly. <laughs> um, I, you know, I... I can't argue with John Cooper being in the top two. I mean, look at what he's done with that team. Look at what he's done with that Lightning roster and turn that into just an absolute juggernaut. But if I recall power rankings correctly, and I I could be wrong, do you not, for the first power rankings after a season, go with the order based off of how the season ended. I mean, why is Jared Bednar not number one? That is always the question with power rankings. I don't like there's, there's no like defined like terms of how you do power rankings. And, and yeah, do you have it? Are we going into next season where, you know, uh, you, you put the champions at number one, whether it's the team that we're talking about or the coach, or do you take into account, the things that happened in the off season. 
Because if a team just has a fire sale, a championship team just has a fire sale, you know, we can't put them at number one. Right. It didn't happen here clearly with the Avalanche. But, yeah, I mean, to me, as far as Bednar goes, and I'm not just going to sit here and be a homer, like, he, he should be in the top two. Let's get real here. Like, I'm okay if you want to put Cooper at the top because he's been there for so long. He's obviously a championship coach. If you want to put him at number one, I genuinely don't have a problem with that. Uh, I absolutely think Jared Bednar should be at number two. But as us Avalanche fans, we are so used to him not getting a lot of the credit and all of that credit going to guys like Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon. And it's almost the, the thinking of, like, anybody could coach this team. They couldn't. There's a lot of ego on this team, and you have to manage that ego, and he does it very, very well. Yeah, I, I agree with Cooper being at one. I mean, he's two out of three of the last Stanley Cups. So, I mean, you, you deserve to be there. Bednar mm-hmm. should be number two. And you can't say, like, just because you make it to the Stanley Cup, like that is enough to quantify you a top-five spot because the head coach for Dallas and uh, Montreal are not coaching there for getting the, that team to the Stanley Cup. So it's not n- just enough to get there. Like yeah. Bednar, he won. He's right behind Cooper. Uh, don't know what Calgary's doing so high. That surprises <laughs> me. I just love like, Calgary right now. What, are, like, what have you done? What have you done? I don't get that. But no, give Bruce Boudreaux some love. Like, close your ears, Seth. I know there's there's some feelings there. but like, I love Bruce. When, when it comes to Bruce, but like I... I love what he's doing and like that team, that's a voice they needed. And you could see with the way they played. Um but should nine, he because I mean, he came in there when? When when did he did he jump into that team? It was a couple weeks into that into the season. Yeah, I'm not mistaken. I think at was, least uh, over a month. I thought it was longer than that. I thought it was like pretty deep into the like halfway through the season when he came in I, but you I, see interim coaches come in all oh, the yeah. time and I'm then not, nothing yeah, yeah. changes and it's just right it out to the end of the year there was right. an instant change mm-hmm. so for what he did and has done and will continue to do yes he deserves a spot in the top 10 okay yeah i um i love bruce there just were yeah. two other guys trying to coach while he was here <laughs> so just it didn't uh yes. didn't exactly work out um, you got Bruce Cassidy on here and should a coach who's going into a, a brand new team be anywhere near the top 10 or are we basing this on what he's done so far? I don't think, I don't think you can do that. Couple the fact that he's coaching Vegas and absolutely he should not be anywhere in the top 10. Um, yeah, I'd say that kind of like tongue in cheek, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like, yeah, he's a good coach. Clearly he's a good coach. But we don't know what he what if he's going to gel with uh, Vegas. So I I was a little bit surprised that he was in the top ten. Yeah, I I would have a team on paper to coach. Like he's still got to put that team together. <laughs> well, they they might end up trading some more people before the season starts. I I shouldn't say trade, giving away, <laughs> broken. Yeah, pretty much what happened. Here have it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So that that's the the top ten, and well, you know. Keep an eye on the uh, or our, our social on uh, Twitter, but even on the uh, Locked On Podcast Networks page because that's where they they post it. See if they put up the other ones. Um, I'll see if I can get them to do that because I want to know where the other guys stand. Because there's some guys that I put in the top ten that are not in the top ten. So where are they? Yeah, where's uh, where's Dean Evison? What's going on here? Oh, I was going to ask you, man. Is he is he just not been there long enough? Or... I, th- I think so. Um, yeah. I would put him. I'd put him probably in the top half. Um, for sure. Yes. I, I just, I think 
with guys who haven't been coaching as long as Dean has and with the fact that he's been around the NHL forever, I think he kind of gets pulled down a couple of rungs for that reason. If he can put it together with another solid season this year, I mean, I absolutely think he's the right guy for the job. Mm-hmm. It's just amongst some of these other guys, I mean, it's it's hard to stack up against the resumes of some of these other guys on this list. Right now it is, but yeah, I mean, I think he's making headway toward it. And, and as far as the fan base goes, like the, the confidence in him has not wavered at all. They're not calling for his head or anything like that right now, right? No, people, people are... For his facial expressions during games alone, <laughs> people are huge Creed Bratton fans, Dean Evison fans. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we'll end on that note. That's it's a good wonderful. spot to finish. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Uh, good luck to you guys, Seth, uh, for the season right around the corner. Um, yeah, it's going to be whenever they stack up. It's it's must must watch TV. It's it's always an excellent matchup between the two of them. So, uh, good luck for the year and uh, for everybody listening. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Obviously, that is always appreciated. Uh, for Seth Topol of Locked On Wild and Mr. Shaggy Von Doom, Kyle Sullivan, I'm Chris Maselli. Thank you for listening to this crossover episode of Locked On Avalanche and Locked On Wild, and we'll see you guys tomorrow.